0: God deals with opposites. The way you stand is acknowledging before God that you can't stand. The way you are strong is acknowledging before God that you are very weak. The way you experience His power is that you, you acknowledge before God, I don't have it.
1: Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Crawford Lorenz. The ability to stand or be strong hinges on your willingness to admit you can't stand or be strong on your own. You need the power of God. Well, stay with us today for the first of a two-part message titled, Still Standing. Our speaker has been teaching and sharing the Word of God for over 50 years as a pastor, conference speaker, and seminary professor. His books include Leadership as an Identity, Unshaken, and Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow. Crawford now serves as founder and director of Beyond Our Generation, a Christian leadership mentoring ministry. Well, join us in 1 Peter 5, verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. If you're headed for stormy waters, we hope you'll find help and comfort in Crawford's message. Let's join him now. Here's Crawford Loritz on Living a Legacy. This
0: text has a little bit of a twist on it. It really is talking about pain and suffering primarily brought on by spiritual attack. That is the the locust of this text, how the devil leverages our pain and suffering. That's what it's all about. And I've entitled the message, Still Standing, Still Standing. Several months ago, I was uh, driving around somewhere here in this area, and I had on uh, the radio in my car, and I was listening to this, uh, this gospel station that I sometimes listen to. And uh, this song came on that absolutely captured me. It moved me greatly. Uh, The song is sung by a pastor. And in this song, he weaves in his personal testimony. The name of the song is I'm Still Standing. It's a new rendition of Standing on the Promises of God. And as he unpacks the song, he goes back and talks about this incredible series of unbelievable suffering and pressure that he went through. He talks about in 1999, I believe it was, where he had a nervous breakdown due to burnout and overextension in ministry and how it just about lost his mind. Unbelievable mental torment that he went through. And right after that, he talked about their only grandbaby, their only granddaughter died suddenly. Then right after that, he talks about Katrina. He he pastors a very or did pastor a very large church in New Orleans and met in two locations. And Katrina came and, and destroyed both churches, destroyed his house and destroyed all of their automobiles and just all kinds of chaos and upheaval in their home. And on the heels of that, he finds out that he has colon cancer. And yet he sings this song. I'm still standing. I'm still standing. What causes us to stand under enormous stress and pressure? What has caused you not to lose your mind with the mess that you're going through right now? What causes you to keep it all together? And that's Peter's concern as he wraps up this book. He's concerned that you keep it together. And he says that there are three things right here in this text, that will cause us to stand. Three things. Three things that we must do. Interestingly enough, this sounds like a contradiction. The first one is this. Humble yourself. He said, stand and humble. Aren't they opposites? Yeah, that's right. But God deals with opposites. The way you stand is acknowledging before God that you can't stand. The way you are strong is acknowledging before God that you are very weak. The way you experience his power is that you you acknowledge before God, I don't have it. Thus he begins here in verse 6. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Verses 6 and 7 is one thought. The dominant command, the dominant verb, the dominant imperative is humble yourself. And you humble yourself by two things right here in the text. You humble yourselves, number one, by submitting, and then secondly, by casting. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. This is the only place in the New Testament that that expression is used. Now it's used several times in the Old Testament. Uh, For example, you'll find it in Exodus 3.19 and Deuteronomy chapter 3 verse 24. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Now when this expression is used in the Old Testament, it's used in sort of an awesome sense of God's extreme power with a shade of fear. The hand of God is against you. But here, Peter uses this in this context, not with a fear motivation, but with a sense of God's enormous presence and his power that eclipses the pain and suffering that you're going through right now. It's as if he says, somebody greater than you is with you. So submit to God's incredible presence and power in your life. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been so grieved, you've been so hurt, that it just felt good to have the loving, comforting arms of someone strong around you? That, that, that's what he's talking about here. I read this, I thought about when our baby died many years ago, our little girl. I'll never forget the scene. I'm standing by the graveside there and looking at that little casket. My breast buddy from college, Bill Tarr, my roommate. I'll never forget this. I didn't see Bill. He was kind of like behind me over here. And I'll never forget Bill slipping his arms around me. And he pulled me like this. He said, I'm with you, man. Whatever you need. And that's the sense of this text. Listen to me, listen to me. You're not by yourself. God is saying, come here, get under my hand. You can't take it. And you were not meant to take it. And don't let your pride think and make you think that you can take it. Come here. Submit. To the mighty hand of God. Then the, the opening clause of the next verse is casting all your cares on him. That is, a, uh, that is an aorist participle. Let me explain that. That doesn't mean just, you know, you just keep, uh, every time you, you get burdened, you sort of cast a little bit, and then you carry it back, and you cast a little bit and carry it back. No, the aorist participle, uh, I mentioned this some time ago. Uh, the wonderful thing about the Greek language is that there are several past tenses The heiress past tense is historic action. It's decisive action. It means that you, you make up your mind to throw this off of yourself. It's as if Peter says, listen to me. No, you can't take it. Come in out of the storm. Get under the mighty hand of God. Let him be your protection. Then you take what's on your shoulders, what's on your heart. Crawford, you can't handle it, buddy. You throw it. With abandon on God's shoulders by the way interesting as I was poking around the meaning of this word the root meaning of cast is is a word that they used to deposit to deposit now my little illustration breaks down here because uh, I thought that the illustration was cute the more I think about it it may not be accurate but I'll say it anyway Uh, you know it's like the FDIC Federal Depositors Insurance Corporation. Theoretically, you can deposit your money in our banks and not worry about it. I wouldn't take that too far. Uh, But just as you deposit the money, you walk away, you don't worry about it. That's what Peter's saying to us. He's saying to you right now, hey, come here, come here. You take every burden, every load that you have. Get under the mighty hand of God and then put it on top of me. I can handle it. I, I can handle it. I can handle it. I can handle it. Well, how do you stand? How do you stand by humbling yourself? Now, I got, before I move on here, I, I do have to drive this home. There is an incredible point that is obvious, although not stated, from verses 6 and 7. i got to say this. Some of us, we're signing ourselves to so much anxiety and misery because of our pride. You cannot humble yourself, and you cannot trust someone else to care for you until you acknowledge That you can't do it crawford when you go through troubled waters it's a call for you to walk away from self-sufficiency and pride it's a call for you to understand that you need god and no amount no amount of image management no amount of your 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 kind of like cultivating and survival techniques is going to make it humble yourself under the mighty hand of god some of you are in trouble in your marriage right now simply because you refuse to humble yourself. Some of you are having problems in your family because you refuse to humble yourself. Some of you are having financial, major financial upheaval because you refuse to humble yourself. Humble yourself. How do you stand? Realize that you can't stand. Humble yourself. Secondly, he says, the way to stand in a storm is to brace yourself. That gets to the core of the deal here in verse uh, um, verse 8. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world now i i uh, i'm going to be a little listy here but i want to make four important observations about bracing ourselves some years ago i had the privilege of uh uh, i don't know if a privilege it was an exciting rush but i wouldn't want to do it every day i had the privilege exciting rush to ride in a pace car around the uh, charlotte speedway you know i thought pace car, you know this ain't the real thing you know what i'm saying but uh when i got in there You know, the thing is, gut it out. I get in this thing, and uh, the guy says, okay, you know, I had all these straps and stuff. Pull this tight, uh, pull this down, Crawford. Yeah, you probably need this put this helmet on you and stuff because you're going to get jostled. Brace yourself. When you hear a storm is coming, what do you do? Oh, you take the patio furniture and you bring it inside, put the pets in the garage or the basement, you kind of bolt down things, and if you're from Florida, you put the hurricane shutters down, you get ready for it. And what Peter is talking about here is that, look, 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 look. You've you got a real enemy. And you need to read the weather forecast. That there are storms coming in your life. Newsflash, there's storms coming in your life. You might be in a time in which it's beautiful and sunshiny. Thank God and enjoy it. But if I read, if I read the weather forecast... For you it has been granted and given, Philippians chapter 1 verse 29, to not only believe in his name but to suffer for his sake. All those who would live godly in this life will suffer for his sake. And that we have a real enemy. We have a real devil that's coming after us. So you need to brace yourself. We have a Christianity in this culture that ill prepares people for spiritual struggle and warfare. That's the reason why counselors are making the mother load. Now, I'm not against counseling. Don't get me wrong. I'm in favor of it. I think it's wonderful, godly, biblical counseling. But we're so ill-prepared for the stress and the pressure because we don't want to believe chunks of the Bible. We, we think somehow or another that if I do the right things and if I say the right things, then all, everything should be right. And we dumb down the presence of the enemy. People don't preach on the devil. Just saying, right, they don't preach on hell and they don't preach on heaven. But there's a real enemy that leverages the junk and the mess in your life and in my life. And Peter's saying, yo, don't be stupid, man. Do you think that you're going to go about your life enjoying the pleasures and the promises of God without there being some, some attacks and some issues in your life? So he says, look, brace yourself. First, he says in that opening line, the expression, um, uh, uh, be sober-minded, be watchful. He says, be prepared. Be prepared, Crawford. Enjoy the sunshine, but have your umbrella in the car. Don't always drive on empty, man. You might run out of gas. Be prepared. Secondly, he says here, don't be intimidated. Notice what he says. Look closely. He says, Your adversary, somebody's against you. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, I love what Augustine said. He says, Christ is called a lion because of his courage. The devil is called a lion because of his ferocity. But one lion comes to conquer, the other to hurt. You gotta understand that the devil wants to hurt you and hurt you bad. You hear me? The devil wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to rob you of joy. He wants to destroy your future. He wants to mess you up. He wants to pollute your mind. He wants to pervert the way you think, the way you act. The devil wants to destroy everything good about you. And we have a real enemy. And Peter says so. He says the devil goes about like a roaring lion. If you know anything about lions, though, this line should kind of bother you a little bit. Because lions don't roar when they're ready to attack. They don't. They say nothing. Lions roar. Now, catch this. Lions roar to announce their presence and to intimidate their prey. You catch what Peter's saying here? Peter's saying, stop being afraid of the devil. Appreciate his power, appreciate his place, appreciate his strength. But he says, don't be intimidated. He's roaring to scare you. He's roaring to make you afraid. Some of you, right now, you, you have been put on hold in your spiritual life because you, you don't know what to do. I don't even have the money and I don't get this man reported. My kids are not acting right, and we've got this conflicts in my marriage and this stuff. It's not going. To, I don't know what to do. I can't read my Bible. Now I don't mean that to be only a little bit humorous, you know. Listen to me. Isn't that how it works? He 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 shows fear in us, and we start shaking. (laughs) Because he wants to immobilize you. He wants to immobilize. He wants to be so scared you stop pursuing God. Stop pursuing the dreams in your heart. Some of you, God has had some great things in store for you, but you got scared. The first you said, "I can't do that." First little disappointment, first little speed bump. We go, oh, oh, we can't do that. He roars to intimidate. Brace yourself, he says. Why? You got to be prepared. You got (laughs) to not be intimidated. But number three, he says, hold your ground. Hold your ground. Listen to what he says here. Resist him firm in your faith circle the word resist I Depart from some of the stuff I've been taught on spiritual warfare at this juncture I'm sick and tired of Christians teaching other believers that believers are no match for the devil That's not biblically accurate That's not biblically accurate certainly in our own strength. We're not that is true in the flesh we are not the word resist here is an interesting word the word resist here does not mean to absorb to the blows it doesn't mean you just kind of take it and lay down oh bam doesn't mean that you just let the enemy walk on you and wipe his feet on you and you do nothing neither however does the word mean that that it just is a strong wall and when the enemy comes up against it he bounces off that's, that's, that is not what the word means. The word resist actually means to withstand. It implies, it implies pressing back when he presses into. It's the same word that's used in James chapter 4 verse 7 when he says, "Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's not a matter of you taking it. It's a matter of being spiritually offensive. Now, I'm telling you, if you try to fight the devil in your own strength, I mean, it's all over. You're history. But this is how we fight the devil. Listen to me. This is going to help somebody here. This is how we fight him through these two things. Number one, we fight him from our position in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through the end of the text there we fight the enemy from our position in Christ Our authority is a delegated authority under the mighty hand of God Christ is in us. We are in him We are seated with him Ephesians 1 tells us at the at the right hand of the throne of God. We're we're seated with him in heaven We're seated with him in a place of authority You have authority through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus and His resurrection and ascension. And sometimes you just have to verbalize that to the devil. In the name of Jesus, because of His shed blood, His resurrection, His ascension, and I am in Him, I tell you, get out of my house. I'm intense about that because I've had to do that several times. You don't have to take that. You let the devil knock the heebie-jeebies out of you because you're not, you're, not, you're not using what God gave you. And the second way we fight him is by using our weapons. Ephesians chapter six, verses 16 and 17. You use the shield of faith. The enemy's primary tool is fear to intimidate us, to mark his territory, to tell you it's all over, to get you scared, to get you immobilized. You've got to hold up the shield of faith so that those darts from the devil just keeps bouncing off.
1: Dr. Crawford Loretz with the first half of the message, Still Standing. Crawford is answering the question, how do we stand when the storm rages? Well, we humble ourselves, we brace ourselves, and as we'll hear next week, we encourage ourselves. Hope you can join us again right here. We regularly encourage you to email us to let us know how these messages are hitting home. And thanks so much to Marjorie, who recently wrote, I wanted to express my gratitude for the way you proclaim truth about our Christian walk. I've listened to you for many years. I've heard enough from wolves dressed as sheep, and I'm asking God to show me where to worship in my area. Thank you, Dr. Loritz, for your messages. I am enriched and also affirmed. Thank you so much, Marjorie. And here's one from Theo. Dear Living a Legacy and Dr. Loritz, I deeply appreciate your weekly biblical teachings. They are truly encouraging, inspiring, and immensely helpful. I make it a point to listen every week and feel a sense of loss when I miss them. Well, thank you, Theo. How about you? Take a moment to write to us this week. Legacy at Well, if you, like Theo, feel a sense of loss when you're not able to hear our radio broadcast, well, the good news is that you can listen to complete messages anytime on our website, livingalegacy.org. Thanks for being with us today. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.